0: Hello, and welcome to PS Love Season 2, Now with Video. If you're listening to this as an audio-only podcast, there's a link in the description summary, I forgot what it's called, where you can see a YouTube video of me talking right now and soon to be uh, talking with my guests, who is Lydia Cap-Gatilla. She was a theater and Spanish double major at SMU. The double and triple majors, uh, very, very common among guests uh, of the show, uh lydia was in the class of 2008 she's currently located in hilton head island south carolina where she's studying for her private pilot's license a thing that is so exciting that's something i really want to do uh lydia works as an actress writer and all-around storyteller she also does karate sings like a boss and is particularly good at being tall and proud of it which are two things that i aspire to do here's my interview with lydia cool lydia hello hello how was how your day going what do you what are you up to
1: you know my day is going great uh, I slept in way longer than I really should have and uh, that's always nice and uh, yeah it's a beautiful day in South Carolina I went for a nice long walk had a good lunch and now I'm talking to you so it's a particularly good day
0: Love it. What is what is sleeping in for you? What is what does
1: that mean? Oh, man, today it was like 945, which was pretty late. Although to be fair, my husband and I stayed up late watching Cobra Kai. So, you know, we had a very good reason to be up late. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But it was, it was still a late morning. I usually like to get up around 730 or eight.
0: Okay, yeah, that, that's a respectable amount of time to sleep in. Uh, I, I'm <laughs> curious about Cobra Kai. That's I saw that for the first time uh, just walking past the TV. Uh, I think two nights ago. It looks very interesting. It's the it's, it's the guy who lost from uh yeah the, the, okay from the karate so kid it's
1: the, yeah it's the two main characters from the karate kid it's um ralph macchio and william zopka who played um johnny lawrence uh is played by william zopka and he was like you know the bad guy or whatever supposedly the bad guy in the original karate kid and then um the protagonist daniel uh, who's played by ralph macchio it's the two of them many years later after they've grown up and you know have lived their respective lives and Johnny's really not doing well and Daniel's doing great. And so it's this kind of um, merging of their two worlds again as adults and then how that incorporates their their children and you know bringing karate back into the valley. But it's just, it's really great. It's one of the most satisfying shows I think I've ever seen. It feels like it embraces its 80s cheesiness just perfectly. And then at the same time, it feels adult. Like some of the humor and some of the content is like that's actually kind of adult, not a kids' show joke. Um, and then it's uh, it's got it's got a lot of heart to it as well. Um, my husband was saying last night, it's like what you want fan fiction to be, like what you what you're really hoping it will be. So that's what Ooh, it feels like.
0: I like that. I like yeah. also the the uh, embodying the eighties vibe. I. It, I saw that in just the the brief snippet of the show that I saw and uh, felt that also from Stranger Things. I feel like just, it it just, ooh, it feels like it's a different time. There's every little detail about it.
1: And it's cool. In Stranger Things I love as well. With Cobra Kai, it's kind of fun because it's not set in the 80s. It's set in the 2000 teens or 20s or whatever. Hmm. Um, But it's still vibe-wise got that 80s kind of uh, cheese to it, but but it knows that it's doing that. It's not like trying to take itself so seriously, and because of that, it it earns your your uh, you know you are very endeared to it. I think
0: love it. You are among so many other things an actress. I imagine the experience for you in watching a show like this is very different than most people. I uh, my my brother in law sure. named Patrick is a uh, a car guy. He uh, has been working on cars his entire life. And we'll we'll have so many interactions where like we're we're walking along the street and uh, we're we're trying to describe the, the landmark that we just passed. And I'll say something like, Oh, you know, it was right across the street from the McDonald's, and I'll be like, Oh, is that the one with the, the you know, it was a nineteen seventies uh blue <laughs> Chevy Malibu with a V eight engine? And I'm like, Whoa, you're you're <laughs> yeah. seeing the world like on a on a different wavelength than I am. Uh the the I would love to just step in his brain and, and be able to see what the world looks like with, with this hyper knowledge of cars. Do you feel like there's an element of that in in the way that you're watching media, like Cobra. Oh, for sure.
1: Yes, definitely. I think I have been an actress for so long and I've, I've studied acting. I've studied filmmaking and writing. I'm a writer as well for so long that I'm always, I'm at that point now where I can do two things at once. So I'm thoroughly enjoying something or, you know, giving myself permission to experience whatever it is, the show or movie is Wanting me to experience at the same time that my brain is minutely analytically tracking. Oh, that was a really good shot. Oh, that was a great line. Oh, that line was a little cheesy. We probably could have cut that one and trimmed that here and there. And then, oh, but I'm so into it now. I'm crying because so and so died. You know, there's, there's, I, I, um, that's something I've, uh, I think honed over the years, but I think at the same time, I, I just love it so much that it's really enjoyable to me. It's part of the fun of. Encountering art, encountering film, television, and that sort of thing, is that I am like your friend or, or like your brother-in-law um, uh, or cousin. Now I've already forgotten what who your family was. Yeah, I know his yeah, name is yeah. Patrick. So, um, <laughs> brother-in-law, Patrick, and friend, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And friend.
1: <laughs> we can be friends with our brothers-in-law.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, that he is also enjoying. You know, he's experiencing the world on that different level of expertise, but he's also enjoying it at a different level because of that expertise. And I think that's that's definitely something I'm. I'm experiencing when I watch TV shows, even just for fun. Yeah.
0: You brought up a, an interesting point of that you are critically analyzing this on multiple layers of the the acting and the writing and the, the overall style of it. And yet you are still able to enjoy it as a piece of art, that you can still yes. be emotionally attached with it. That's that's something that I think I have difficulty with in areas where I, I feel like I have some expertise of like software is just like painful for me to use if if i can see the underlying problems of the way that it was designed it's that's that's something that's that's very difficult for me to to reconnect with
1: do Um, you feel the same way though when you like what about when you experience brilliant software do you just get like oh elated by it because it's so wonderfully done yeah
0: there's there's like a deeper appreciation for me now of it's it's not just washing over me there's a there's a beauty in like the way that it was constructed of i I can understand the, <laughs> I. Okay, that's that's a very good analogy. because it, it, it,
1: it goes both ways. I think I think you're totally right. There are definitely things I'll be watching that someone else maybe sort of, you know, oh, it's just a great show, and I'm like, oh, it's not that great. Like in my opinion, it's not well written. The acting's not great. Or the production, blah, blah 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 blah. But I will give everything a chance. So I had an I had an English teacher who had these great catchphrases. His name was Jeff Blair. Amazing man, is Jeff Blair? He's still alive. Um, uh, he used to say enchantment before analysis. And I loved that because he would always say the first time you read anything, first time you watch anything, let it do its best to enchant you and then analyze it. You can go back and read it again, go back and watch it again. And I think I've done this for so long and I'm so invested in this kind of work that like I was saying, I'm doing a little bit of both at the same time, mm-hmm. but it's very important to me that I'm, letting myself start within a position of being willing to be enchanted. I'm not someone who keeps herself aloof from the art and is like, "Oh, well, you got to prove yourself to me." I'm like, "Nope, I'm here, you know, like I'm ready." And then if slowly over the course of the show or over the course of the software perhaps, it's like, "Yeah, this really isn't great. You know, I I gave you a shot, man, but I'm not going to lie, this just kind of sucked." I'm um I'm willing to have that analysis, but I always try to start from a place of Enchant me. Go ahead. I'll, you know I'm ready.
0: I love that. I'm gonna blatantly steal that mantra. Enchant yes. before analysis. Yeah. Do it. I, it's I, the I, best. That, that puts you then in the in the frame of mind of uh, suspension of disbelief. Of like you, you don't you don't yeah. need to start watching something and start finding things to be critical of as soon as possible. You you can right. suspend that for a little bit. Allow yeah. yourself to become enchanted. And if that doesn't happen, then okay, it's it's okay not to, to slip yeah. into analysis. Yeah. I like that that um, I'm sorry that came from a, a teacher you had at yeah SMU? one
1: of the okay. one of the best teachers ever an English teacher in high school his name's Jeff Blair high school yeah wonderful Good dude. oh man
0: that's that's impressive that like a high school teacher could have that sort of impact on you I think that
1: yeah I have he, maybe one of those he in particular is just a very 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 um very smart guy but just a brilliant teacher. I really credit him. I've always said that when I win my Oscar someday, Jeff Blair will be in my Oscar speech because (laughs) he, um, I loved English in particular, but uh, he, I think, really brought to head the fact that everyone is speaking from some place of agenda. Not that that's always a negative thing, but, you know, we all have a reason for saying whatever it is we say. Mm. So when you're interpreting any kind of language around you in the world, whether that's artistically or you're in a conversation with someone, you know, they're coming from some place of trying to communicate something. So Mm. what is that thesis? And by the same token, when you are uh, creating something as a writer, as a uh, musician, uh, as a software programmer, you know, what is your thesis and making sure everything serves that thesis, I think really helped me be a critical thinker, not only in the work that I make, but also in engaging with other people's work, knowing it doesn't matter if it's a commercial or if it's somebody's Facebook post or if it's in a conversation where, you know, where are they coming from? What are they really trying to say? And And being able to navigate, I think, a lot of different kinds of conversations as a result of that. So I really credit him with helping me develop a more nuanced understanding of not only how to communicate myself, but also how to interpret other people's communication as well.
0: What a wonderful lens to be seeing the world through! Uh, yeah, you're, you're now able to to apply these n- skills that you've learned in in acting and writing and storytelling, and uh, I could see how that would be very broadly applicable. Of like, oh <laughs> okay, yeah, where where is you know the the AT and T customer support representative coming from? <laughs> how, yeah. uh, how how can understanding that story better uh, enable me to have a more successful interaction with them? Uh, yeah, what a, what a superpower! That's cool. Oh, uh, thank you. I'd love to ask about who you were in college. If if I was talking to Lydia, uh, Lydia Cap, formerly uh, in college, wh- wh- what's her deal? What, what's she doing? What, what what are her goals? Who does she want to be?
1: Oh, she has so many goals. She wants to be so <laughs> many things. Um, well, I was a theater major as well as a Spanish major, um, and I was in the theater studies program at SMU. um, Within the theater program at SMU, there are two tracks. There is an acting track where that's your sole focus. You're really just there to train to be an actor. Um, And then there's a theater studies track. Both of them are BFAs, Bachelors of Fine Arts. So they're both conservatory style programs, very intensive training. But theater studies is a little bit more of a Renaissance person approach where you are studying acting through your four years, but you also have the opportunity to take classes in directing in playwriting, stage management costume design, any other number of areas where you might like to specify. And so I always being a very much a Renaissance person, it's like, oh yeah, theater studies all the way. So I got emphases in acting, directing, and playwriting while I was there. So my, my, and still to this day, I, I really know for myself, my studies across multiple disciplines inform my ability to succeed in every other discipline. So the more that I wrote as a playwright, the better I became as an actor. The more I acted, the better I became as a director and so on and so on. So yeah, college Lydia was super optimistic. You know, I just knew I was going to change the world and just win all of the awards and everything was going to be great and um, had a just so an awesome time. I was so grateful to be a part of the president Scholarship Program. Loved being around people from, um, from other disciplines who were just as passionate about their fields as I was about, about theater and storytelling. And um, the, the Meadow School of the Arts was a fantastic program as well. So I really enjoyed my training there. Um, I definitely was a little more naive. I, I had a, some growing up lessons to learn in my post-college years. But I do look back on that time very fondly.
0: I'm curious about <laughs> naive, just uh, merely about like being able to change the world or uh, having your your uh, pre planning out your Oscar acceptance speech. What? what what's oh, yes. Behind it.
1: Oh, well, I started that probably when I was like six years old. It's like, <laughs> okay. you know, dear mirror, thank you to my mom <laughs> and my dad. And even though I don't like my brother, probably I should thank him, too. And um. No, I mean I, <laughs> <laughs> right I um I have loved stories since I was very small mm. and I do think that stories and narrative are probably the best way to communicate ideas and ideas change the world so and you can make a story there is a story in anything you know you can Christian got up in the morning and got something for breakfast and sat down to write some code and realized he really didn't want to because of that thing that so and so said to him last night and he was still thinking about it and all of a sudden he's written "I hate Jerry" in his code. I don't know. I'm making this up, obviously, but you know, were you can...
0: watching me this morning? That's exactly. Yeah. What have. Incredible. <laughs> Little did you know your ability to perceive stories from people of where they're coming from. Amazing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but I-, I think you know we can. I think the human mind is really built to interpret and to process information in a in a narrative structure. And storytelling from a theater standpoint or from a film standpoint, advertising standpoint, you know, the conversations you're having with your friends, the things that really move us to make changes in our lives or to commit to something in our lives are are typically couched or woven into some kind of story. And I think I just understood that from a from a young age that seemed clear to me. And then I just got such joy out of acting. I loved acting and it's a it's a pretty powerful craft. I think you're you're really practicing empathy on a very deep level, putting yourself in the shoes of any manner of person and trying to honestly and truthfully give voice and body to their experience. And that doesn't mean they're always good people or that they make right decisions, but you're really um, you're you're kind of honoring the the human experience through acting. So you're using your own physical self and your own emotions, your own experiences, your own brain to uh, give people watching a chance to engage emotionally in a story, so that they might learn something from it. Um, so. You know even the six-year-old or eight-year-old or whatever uh you know practicing the oscar speech is like i i'm putting myself in a story of someday lydia is gonna have made this work whatever it is that people found valuable and i'm going to practice this story out now because to me that's something that at at that age was kind of fun to do you know it's just fun to play pretend and use your imagination in that in that sort of way we all are using our imaginations all the time, maybe for different, maybe not everyone's practicing an Oscar speech, but, um, but yeah, I think that, I think that comes from just this innate desire to not only witness creation, but to be a part of it, to really be creating, um, the stories that make and change the world.
0: What a cool life perspective of, uh, I, I love particularly what you said about that uh, acting is a sort of way of practicing empathy and, and storytelling that, uh, how much better would the world be if everyone had this set of skills of being able to understand where another person was coming from? Uh, and so I, yeah, I see that desire that and, and how that led to uh, wanting to to study this more and embody it and create the stories instead of just uh, understanding them. I'm I'm struck also by something you said of the uh, the choice in doing theater studies in particular was that that's the more Renaissance person uh, perspective. Something I've been surprised by is how strong that thread is among President Scholars alumni that I've interviewed of, yeah, that's, that's like the modus operandi of all of these people, it doesn't, you know, it's all applied to very different areas and uh, doctors and, you know, accountants and uh, actors. Uh, But that that choice of uh, the the multi potentiality and the wanting to understand more of the entire system, not not just shoehorning into a, a single place uh I think is what makes this community so special of I agree it, it's a bunch of people who who all just want to know everything about everything and uh, yeah are, are all sort of direct we're all related. just
1: limited by time unfortunately uh. <laughs> so we had to choose you know three instead of 16 uh, <laughs> subjects
0: yes but um, yeah
1: I I agree
0: I'm curious for the direction that you chose to uh focus your your multi-potentiality uh of these interests of Understanding storytelling and understanding the the mechanics of uh, being able to perform theater in in all of its different ways, uh, where that has led you in your adult life? What's what what's like a a typical day in Lydia's life? Uh, and if it it if it substantially differs from like pre COVID, uh, <laughs> oh. I'd love to know like in in what ways that's changed.
1: In some ways, it's it's not terribly different pre COVID. Um... To post COVID, actually, we're really not post COVID, I suppose. So, but um,
0: made COVID. What what do we call made <laughs> whatever
1: we are? we there will never not be COVID, I suppose. So, <laughs> um, all that to say, my my ambitions uh, first after college took me to Los Angeles. I lived in Los Angeles for about almost seven years, um, pursuing you know pursuing work, trying to get an agent, trying to get auditions, and on the side working. Uh, I waited tables for a while. I worked in a um, a Schwanky store up on Mulholland drive. And then I taught karate for about three years, which was a lot of fun. Um, so I've done a a number of different odd jobs that, you know, to pay the bills and to sort of karate was one of my, my own interests as well. Um, but the, the thing that has been constant is that, you know, trying to get work, trying to, be a part of making stuff, whether that's someone else choosing you to be a part of their project or saying, you know what, I'm going to make my own project. I'm going to, I um, I wrote and produced and kickstarted my own short film a number of years ago, um, started working on doing some more of that. It's uh, There's not really a clear trajectory for someone who wants to be an actor and someone who wants to be an artist. And even though you can get great advice from other people who have gone before you, it's really every person's journey is is pretty unique. It's very different in that there's no residency program, there are no internships, there are no, it's, you know, you just try a lot of stuff and some of it sticks and a lot of it doesn't stick. So my my average day is usually, um, I usually have pretty long mornings where I like to listen to podcasts and, um, you know, get some work done at home. I try to go to the gym, um, maybe go to an audition, get lunch with the person I'm working on a project with, go work on a script that I'm writing or finish up that play revision, or I do a lot of script doctoring, so I'll have friends asking for feedback and coverage on their stuff, so I've just finished um, one of those last night. Um, but it really changes from day to day. If I'm if I'm on a show or if I'm on um, an indie film or something like that, then you could be on set at five o'clock in the morning and you're there until eight o'clock at night and then you do it all again the next day. So. It's a little bit different, but I'd say my average day is pretty open and not super structured. Um, I love talking with people. And so when I was in LA, especially, I'd get a lot of lunches, do I was an acting class too, so a lot of rehearsals, that sort of thing. Just every every day trying to, now this is my perspective, really every day trying to say, okay, you know what? Nobody's gonna give this to me. I, it's my responsibility to create value as an actor. Just because I love acting doesn't mean that I am entitled to get paid to do what I love. I I need to create value for other people if that's something that I want. Or if I just love it and want to pay to act on my own in acting class, that's fine too. But it's up to me to create my own opportunities and to put myself in a position where the work that I want to do is, um, if not made available to me, I make it available to me.
0: I see the need to have a flexible uh, a schedule that can be flexible and malleable. if all of a sudden you need to slot in there okay 5 a.m to to 8 p.m when we're shooting this film uh that makes a lot of sense i'm very curious what your perspective is on how the acting landscape is changing i my my mom took me through uh the child acting uh thing when I was uh, a kid. oh oh it was a it was a whole thing uh i was on barney uh not as one of the main kids there's, there's a few episodes Christian! Like, yeah right how did i uh, not know
1: this before oh
0: it's uh it's a pretty big deal there's episodes of barney where you can see in the background there's a very blurry outline of a child on a swing and <laughs> that is <me.
1: laughs>
0: and then that is you so i'm kind of a big deal you're kind uh, of a big
1: deal you're part of <laughs> you're part of the family i mean the barney uh you know, I, when he's singing true. a song, you're a part of it. So. Yes.
0: And you know the work I put into that of, like, understanding my character <laughs> motivation and the story behind, like, who who is this child who's notes. going to this park? Oh, swimming yeah. On the swimming. Uh, so my my experience of uh, being in the industry at the time was that it was very gatekeeper-centric of, like, okay, you, you need an agent and you have to mm-hmm. have an agent. And so you go and you, you get shopped around to different agents and you find one who likes you. And now that's just the first stage of finding people who are going to like you and the next stage is you got to go on auditions and there's gatekeepers at the audition of the the casting director and you have to make them like you and think that you're good for the part and then it goes on and on of like the director and at at every stage there's someone's permission, who's a particular person who you need to get permission from to go on to the next stage. And what I'm seeing uh, shift more and more. In the in the context that I'm in of like uh, building software or uh, making info products or things like that, is that uh, that the industry is shifting that you don't need anyone's permission anymore. If you have a camera, which everyone does on their cell phone, and an idea, and the the hotspot to like put something together, you can just put something on YouTube. And in a way, that's sort of more judgmental because it's it's everyone saying if they like you or not. Uh, sure. And in ways, it's less because you know maybe maybe the thing that you're good at is uh, attractive to a more niche audience that a casting director wouldn't be uh, aware of. So the, like, you know, producing your own short film, my gosh, I, I, that what a perfect example of uh, you You don't need to sit around waiting for people's permission. Um, how do you view that? Is that is that an industry trend that you're seeing? Do you, how does Hollywood have uh, rapidly decreasing power? Do you, do you see those sort of gatekeepers sticking around for a long time? How, how are you approaching that as, as your strategy I think in it's, film?
1: I think it's a little bit of a combination of both. I think you're very right that there there continue to still be lots of gatekeepers in in the entertainment industry, whether it's your agent or casting directors or the various producers that you might have to impress. Um, uh, it's a very flooded market as well. There are a lot of people that want to be actors, so a lot of people that want to be directors, cinematographers, writers, et cetera. And so um, you're competing against a lot of people. So you really have to stand out to those gatekeepers in those kinds of situations in whatever way that that might be. But I think you're also right. It's become increasingly easier and more affordable to make your own work. I mean, if you look at, you know, all all early television was shot, even televised movies were shot live on these massive cameras that, you know, And with the light, my goodness, the lights, just insane amounts of schlepping to get the camera from one place to another so that you could get the next shot. And that's, we don't have to do that anymore. You know, we can sit with our, like you said, our phones or our computers and put something up and tell a story and great, put it on YouTube and maybe become a YouTube star the more that you are working on that sort of project. So it's absolutely more possible now to create your own work but as the market is also flooded, that also means there's a lot more people creating their own work, making their own stuff, and so the the need to stand out, as it were, remains. Um, and it also depends on what kind of creator you are. I think if you are a Renaissance person like me or somebody else who's, there have been many people who have successfully written themselves a show, and then that show did well, and then they got, because of that notoriety, to go on to do something else. They were hired for another movie or another project um and that works out great i think for people who are able to do that but there are a lot of people like i don't really want to do anything but act i'm not a writer i just want i just i'm just an actor so how do i how do i move myself forward in that way so it's this interesting balance of the as an actor, as a, as a writer, as a creator, you're always job hunting because the minute one job ends after six weeks of shooting, you're jobless again. You got to keep hunting unless, of course, you know, you're still aspiring and you've, you've got a, I don't know, some, some other job, which is awesome that you're using to pay the bills. But there's a constant hunt between that mind game of what am I not doing that I need to be doing on my end and to what degree is this just I'm not getting picked for whatever reason. And can I control that or can I not control that? What do I control? What is in my power? What isn't in my power? And it's Mm. it's a little bit of a mind game to figure that out sometimes. But I do think that Hollywood is unfortunately for Hollywood, um, losing some of that power. Yes, losing some of that gatekeeping control in large part because it's just so expensive to film in California. It becomes increasingly cheaper to film in other states. Other states have more friendly legislation around um, you know, even just tax incentives um, and all kinds of reasons why people are, are leaving California to film and work in other places. And I think that's, that's great, actually. I think that's awesome. Um, I think you see that with even people like Joe Rogan leaving Los Angeles and moving yeah. to Austin, Texas is a big deal. Um, so, and and Joe Rogan's a great example of someone who has you know created his own value in the in the interviews that he does, and he's totally uh, sep- separate and set apart. He does what he wants to do. He's not kept by any particular um, film studio or something like that. So. But casting directors remain, agents remain, there's still structures for creatives that um, you kind of are trying to find that balance of playing within the structure, and then also saying, okay, but what can I do that doesn't require someone else's permission to move my own career forward? Mm. Um, It's a hard balance.
0: I'm curious what that balance looks like for you, of like, uh, how, how do you choose to allocate energy Knowing that you can play in this space of being the Joe Rogan who's doing everything, you, you have the Renaissance mentality of being able to to do every part of this process. Uh as evidence, you have you made your own short film. How cool is that? Uh very very <laughs> few people are like able to do that. Uh, I can't imagine the complexities in that process of like you know, simulating for yourself a lot of uh, all of these structures. I, I imagine. Uh, <laughs> and so you you can do that. Uh and what I'm hearing from you now is uh, you're you're still devoting energy into playing into these bigger structures of uh, the, the film yeah. industrial complex, I don't, I don't know what to call it, uh, that that yeah. currently exists. Uh, what what does that energy allocation look like? Uh, so to, to rephrase that, I think I would say, knowing that you are capable of making your own short films, mm-hmm. why not dump 100% of your energy into that? Why not be... The the Joe Rogan analog of uh, whatever that would make sense for you to, to do.
1: So there's a couple things there. One, it can be expensive. It doesn't have to always be expensive, but you anybody can make anything now. So the way to stand out is really good quality, and that typically starts, in my opinion, with a great script. So if if I'm doing something scripted and not a podcast or uh, something live where I'm you know I'm not rehearsing it. Um, And writing a good script takes a lot of time. And if nobody's paying you for that script, it's like, well, do I, you know, is uh, is it gonna work out? Is it not gonna work out? There's that fear of, again, there's no guarantee that anybody's gonna like it, that it's gonna win any awards, that it's gonna get me any attention whatsoever. So am I willing to do it? Is it of importance, is it important enough to me that I'm willing to commit this time, even if literally nothing comes from it? And that was something I learned from making my short film, which did did well, you know, I had great feedback from a lot of people. I was very proud of it, released it to YouTube because I wanted as many people to see it as possible. And I think for me, it changed me into being someone who was saying, you know what, I don't care at this point. I'm not going anywhere. Nobody can, I don't care if I get permission or if I don't get permission. If I get permission, great. But if I don't get it, great. I don't care, I'm gonna make my own stuff. But it didn't win me any awards. It didn't win me any money. It didn't get me a new agent. It didn't unlock a whole lot of those bright, shiny objects that you're kind of hoping for with a short film. Mm. Um, and it was a lot of work. And it's not that I didn't wanna make another one. In fact, I had plans to make another one and had a sort of a creative falling out with the the director of the film and that just got tabled. So it's um, uh, it's that delicate balance of trying and not always being able to accurately judge if I invest this time in this thing, will it have a return on my mm-hmm. investment? Can I reasonably make this investment and still do all of the other things I need to do in my life to make sure I maintain my relationships, to make sure I'm, uh, a, a balanced and healthy human being. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the, and of course we're always better together than we are apart. So if you have a, if you have a great agent who's submitting you for projects, Sure, of course, when that audition comes in, you go to the audition or you film the audition while at the same time later that night, you're sitting down to work on your your feature film script. So you can do both at the same time. Um, I think if you have people in your corner that that are vouching for you, that fight for you, that are in a position to elevate you, of course, that's that's helpful. Um, It usually kicks you up several notches as opposed to if you're trying to do everything on the ground floor. But doing everything on the ground floor is also exactly what puts you in relationship with the kinds of people that see that you mean what you say that you're hard working you're not sitting around for someone to give you a call and oh hey you're actually a great writer a great actor so yeah when the next thing comes along i'll recommend her for this such and such a part so it's not um it's acting and writing in particular are extremely collaborative all filmmaking all theater making it's collaborative you can't really do it on your own it is typically draws people who like that sort of collaborative cooperative effort and it's also what makes it really challenging to do it all by yourself because you can't you you can't make typically i wouldn't think maybe you know what somebody's going to do it an oscar award winning movie that's just like you with your selfie you know walking around (laughs) filming yourself everywhere you know you want someone who's a great gaffer who knows how to light the set you want a good cinematographer and building those relationships takes time
0: this this makes sense okay I'm, i'm fitting this now in the context of in software there's the the there's this model of uh, you can go work for a big tech company and make a whole bunch of money. And then the work that you're doing is contributing to this much bigger thing. Uh, mm-hmm. No individual person could make Facebook or Google. Uh, sure. But by, by joining this big thing, you can hyper specialize and, and do the one thing that uh, is going to be the, the highest output versus starting your own software company. Uh, you now have to wear a lot of different hats and maybe the, the end results isn't uh, as polished or, or as robust as it could be. Uh, mm. If that was the product of a, a bigger team working on it, but you yeah. you have more creative control over that. Uh, and that yeah. to, to be able to do that more independent project is a much longer term game. So that can, uh, like making a, an independent film, that's something that you are making much bigger, much longer-term risks for, uh, so being able to to be a part in another project. Uh, although yes, there are gatekeepers; you need to get people's permission. That it's it's a much it's a much clearer trade-off of time and energy uh, for value. Of uh, you know, yes, yeah. you're, you're going to be here from five a.m. To, to eight p.m. But right. uh, uh, <laughs> there's in, a very directly in exchange for that, and here's here's the reward.
1: Right, yeah. There's a, there's very much an entrepreneurial spirit, I think. That a uh, a driven long term successful creator created than any you know any artistic endeavor has to have because you have to see the vision before anybody else does, and you have to keep seeing it even when everything around you doesn't look like it at yeah. all um and I think I'm sure that starting your own software company would feel similarly where you have these great ideas these these, this amazing creative vision. And but if you're the only person who's seeing the whole vision, it takes time to assemble all the parts or the people to do the parts and, and yet at the same time, because you're that captain of that ship, you can actually make it come to life. um, And find the people you want to bring it to life with. Um, So yeah, I think it's, um, it's a challenge. And it is a long, it's a long haul. And of course, you know, if um, one of my favorite directors comes along and says, Lydia, we saw you just randomly on this thing and we just love you. Please come out and be in this film. I'd be like, of course, I've been waiting for you all my life. You know, I'm not going to say no. If it's something I really am excited about, um, I'm open to that for sure. But I think something I've had to learn is that nobody owes me anything. I can want to be an actor i can want to be a writer i can be a really good actor and a really good writer and it doesn't mean that i'm always going to get paid for it until something else happens along the way until i've proven or i have been given the opportunity to prove whichever it is that the value i bring to set or the value i bring to a script um, is deserving of that attention because it's it's also business but at the same time if i want to like I've done before asked friends, "Hey, will you write me a monologue? I just want to practice." And I work on a monologue and I put it up on Instagram. There's a satisfaction for that in for me in that as well. Knowing, you know what? I acted today. And I acted the crap out of that monologue. That was amazing. <laughs> and I did put my camera up there like a little selfie thing and I did just film it myself and nobody watched it, but it was great and I am proud of myself. <laughs> That's also good. That's also okay. You know, I can be an actor. And know that about myself, and claim that for myself, even if other people are like, "Oh, Lydia, Lydia who's that? Who is that? I don't I've never heard that name before."
0: Hmm. I'm reminded of the uh, defying government video that you posted uh, a, a couple of days ago. <laughs> oh, did oh, you watch gosh. that? <laughs> that, was, that
1: was great. I Why? Thank that. you, Christian.
0: Uh, for listeners or watchers, uh, I'll post a link in the yes, video please. description. But uh, Lydia has a fantastic. Uh, Defying Gravity from Wicked Spoof, uh, (laughs) a a very rebellious bent. uh, I loved it. (laughs) It
1: Thank you. I had quite a lot of fun, I have to say.
0: It looked like a a ton of fun.
1: Uh,
0: (laughs) I'd love to circle back to something weird you said earlier, uh, that one of the things that you did in Los Angeles was teach karate lessons. That's cool. Talk to me more about that. Where where, Where does karate factor into this?
1: So I um, I had been working another job that I decided I want wanted to quit, and so I was without a job for a little while. And had always wanted to do stunts. I've always loved I love action movies. I grew up watching Alias with my family. I was like, someday I'm gonna be you know Jennifer Garner, the new Sydney Bristow, that kind of character. I always really liked. Um, and I got a chance to audition for Wonder Woman. Um, for those of you who don't know or can't see that I'm tall, I'm six feet tall. So I was like, yeah, you know I destined to play wonder woman i should specify not in the film because i'm not quite that cool yet Um, but just at six flags in los angeles to be like the character (laughs) and um and had a great time and went really far through the audition process and like all i needed let at the very end was approval from warner brothers and for whatever reason warner brothers did not approve me but Mm. the man who was running the auditions um was was great this guy named kevin porter he um has played He's been a live action Batman for many, many, many years. And he does um a lot of productions with Bat in the Sun. They do a lot of really cool, um, I don't even know how to describe them. I guess sort of like fan uh pairings of Batman versus the Joker and they did Darth Vader versus Batman or something at one point. So he's he's a great guy, but he led the um auditions and said, You know, have you ever done stunts? You ought to a- you had to do stunts like you know you've 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 got the the body type for it you know it'd be great if you could do your own stuff and i was like yeah tell me where to go so he introduced me to a the man who played uh michael keaton's stunt double in uh, the batman movies whose name is dave lee this just hilarious english guy um really hard as nails guy but a great teacher and so i met him with a couple other people in the park for a little while and was working on you know movie stunt stuff and um the more I did that, I talked to a friend of mine who had worked at a dojo in Los Angeles called Pacific Martial Arts, and um, they were looking for people who could train in karate and then also train to be instructors, to be assistants. Um, so you would sort of simultaneously train in your own capacity and then also train to be an assistant for some of the kids' classes. and. Um, And so my husband and I actually both applied for that. We both got hired and we just took to it really well. Um, My husband Vito had done Taekwondo earlier um, in his year, in his um, teenage years. Uh, But for me, it was like finding the vocabulary for this inner warrior wonder woman that I always knew I had, but physically I didn't have the dexterity for yet. So over time, I... um, and I got pretty good at karate. I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of work. It was really hard. Um, and then I found I just loved teaching. And in particular the three to six year old classes, we called them mini ninjas. Um, <laughs> there it was just great. You know, using karate as a means of developing body awareness and an understanding of what it means to be focused and in control of your own your own physical impulses and also, embracing courage and learning how to stick up for yourself um, with your inner spirit and also just having fun, you know, doing like little crabby kicks and it was it was a lot of fun, so I, I really enjoyed it.
0: Oh my, that sounds adorable that
1: <laughs> it is pretty cute. You see a little three year old and their little white gi with their little oh you know their little belt, and they're going, oh. it's just pretty great. It's not a oh, bad okay. job to have, I gotta say. <laughs>
0: Oh, that'd be great! Did they, did they try to <laughs> kick each other. Oh, that'd be that'd be so funny. Oops. Yeah,
1: it's pretty cute. Let's
0: get that back on. Okay, cool. Uh, okay. This how? Oh man, what what devotion as an actor that that this stemmed from training for a role. <laughs> you you wanted to to be Wonder Woman and play her, and uh, saw yeah. an avenue of a possible way to improve that to be. Uh, more martial arts experience and then i did think that's one that, of that the, part of your identity
1: yeah that's one of the things that i always found so appealing about acting even as a kid is that you're always learning you know it's like if i'm in a movie about the french revolution that i get to you know learn more about this person and what it would have been like to have been there and or oh if i'm playing a scientist well you know maybe i'm gonna go study some chemistry again since i haven't done that in a long time you know these kinds of it's a it's a a perpetual perennial uh, encounter with new information, and from a personal standpoint of being the person who lived it. So you're experiencing not just the knowledge, but also the the um, I guess yeah the emotions, the heart, the the humanity of whatever person you're you're pretending to be within that experience.
0: What a rich life you're living of getting to live <laughs> well, hundreds you. of different lives. Of, yeah, it's pretty uh, great. In a way, you've lived part of Wonder Woman's life, and uh, we'll, we'll continue being able to empathetically experience life from those perspectives. I like that. There's uh, our, our mutual friend Trig, who uh, has yes. been on the show. I was watching uh, Aquaman with him. Have you seen Aquaman?
1: <laughs> no, I actually have not seen Aquaman.
0: I uh, <laughs> <laughs> have you seen any superhero? Should movie I?
1: <laughs> you oh know? yes. Oh yes.
0: So it's it's the the typical origin story superhero movie. Uh mm-hmm. and it's a DC superhero movie, so uh, from my It's a DC
1: superhero movie and it's not Wonder Woman. So
0: <laughs> Yes. Uh from an analytical perspective, uh it's I I was very technically unimpressed. Uh and I was I was watching this movie and you know, from the first scene they're talking a whole bunch about his mom and how she disappeared under mysterious circumstances. And I'm like, okay, she's going to show up in act three. And then they're talking about, Oh, and you're the rightful King to this place. And he's like, I don't want to be the King. And I'm like, okay, he's going to leave. And then there's going to be a tyrannical ruler and he's going to come back and overthrow him. And uh, it's great. And then, you know, the, Oh my gosh, he's left the kingdom. And what are we going to do? And Oh, this other leader, is it, is he good or bad? And I'm like, okay, here we go. Uh, and then ooh, we have to recruit Aquaman to come and save us. But Oh, he dives under this big undersea thing. And, who? Oh, he's in this weird hidden place. Who does he find there? His mother. And there's this big, sweeping, cheesy music of like the, the uh, and then they get reunited. And then uh, he finds the secret weapon to be able to overthrow the ruler. Naturally. And so uh, this this was before I had any sort of context of uh, enchantment over analysis. So I'm just ripping the movie to shreds <laughs> in my head. Uh, and Trig and I leave the movie. And uh, I, as the opening gambit of like, let's tear this movie apart, say to him, what did you think of Aquaman? And Trig turns to me and starts tearing up and says, that moment when he saw his mother again, was just so touching. And I, I was just floored of like, how how could you enjoy bad art this much and like emotionally connect with it? But the the thing that I've come to with that is like I would so much more prefer to be enchanted in that sort of thing. And you know, in a way, he experienced what it would be like to reunite with your mother after thinking that she's dead and uh, not knowing where she is. Uh that's that's the sort of thing that I'm I'm aspiring to experience more of. Uh, so in your in your acting career of like <laughs> being able to to fully embody these characters and uh <laughs> learn karate. Uh, that th- that's a, a thing of a character that, that you'd want to express. What a, what a cool, rich way to be living through life, uh, as opposed to just, you Thank know, you. I'm, I'm this person, and these are the things that I do. I'm, I'm very inspired.
1: Well, thanks, Christian. Um, having not seen Aquaman, um, but also knowing Trig and you, I can just picture that exchange. Um, <laughs> but I also think it's kind of like, Maybe I don't know if I said this exactly with Cobra Kai in the beginning, but I think there's this uh, balance that they do really well where you kind of know it's coming. It's kind of predictable, like Aquaman was predictable for you, Um, but it's satisfying because you kind of want it to happen. And so it's that interesting balance in writing where sometimes there are things that are written that are so twisty and all over the place that you're like, what? This, what? That made no sense. Like none of it was predictable, but also... Therefore, none of it made sense. And then on the other end of the extreme, it's everything of course is gonna go this way, and then mm. there's gonna meet the dad, and blah, 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 of course. And that the tension between, I think, is different for different people, and that's also totally okay. We all have different tastes. It's not like one movie has to be, has to enchant you and trick. That's also okay. You know, mm. there may be something that just, just you delight in that he's like, mm, I don't know. You know, and that's why those. That's why art is is will never stop making it because everybody has some sort of different little shade or different perspective to put on it
0: Hmm. talking about your personal art that you're uh creating um, i've heard that there's you're investing uh in being able to act in other in in projects that you're not in full control of uh and that Mm -hmm. makes much more sense to me now of why wow, that's a, a worthwhile investment of energy. And you're also still producing these things on your own of like this defying government video. Uh, <laughs> I'm curious what the landscape of your own personal projects looks like right now. That's that's very interesting. Is, is there like a pipeline of these sorts of videos that are coming out of there? Ooh, what, what, you what know, the maybe other... there should
1: be. Maybe there should be some <laughs> more spoofs. Um, now that I know you like that one so much. Um, you know, it's interesting, My so my husband and I moved, we left Los Angeles about a year and a half ago, and I now live on Hilton Head Island in South Carolina, of all mm. places, like uh, almost a 3,000 something mile straight line across the country to the other coast. Um, because my husband is training to be a pilot out here, and at some point, point, my one of my goals this year actually is to get my private pilot license, that's something I've wanted a long time. So, um, that's in the pipeline, the pilot pipeline. Um, but as a result of being kind of removed from a lot of the creative community that i had built up in los angeles i've spent the last year and a half really focused primarily on writing um, which has been hard in that i miss those friends i miss acting class i miss those creative projects but it's also been good in that it's given me time to really focus on some scripts and things that i want to make and so I'm just kind of now, after being here a year and a half, starting to build a creative community. I gave myself a little bit of a sabbatical where I wasn't honestly trying as hard because um, I kind of wanted a little bit of a break. Um, So what I'm working on right now is polishing a couple of different scripts. Um, Like I said, I just worked on a script last night that somebody I met in L.A. um, nine years ago, something like that. I had worked on a project of his. Um, written an episode for a pilot of his just reached me reached out to me out of the blue and said, hey, I really want your your feedback, your coverage on the script that just got greenlit and I got picked up. So those kinds of things still happen. Um, and I'm just starting to meet people out here that I can um, that I'm excited about working with on some short films and some other projects. I have kind of started a little bit of a campaign to maybe make all of my favorite LA people move out here, or at least come visit for a while, so I can <laughs> right. uh, I can cast them in things. And um, that's something I really love that I um, discovered when I was making that short film. Is I really like being the person who can choose other people. I think if you spend long enough as an actor, not being chosen for whatever reason you're too tall, you're too short, you're not good-looking enough, you're too good-looking, or whatever it is, you really start to understand what that pain can feel like, and frequently as an actor, you don't get feedback. And if you grew up in the public school system, like I did, where you're constantly getting feedback from teachers on your papers, or from parent-teacher night, or you're getting a guidance counselor who's writing you a letter of recommendation for the president Scholarship Program. You know, you're getting feedback on, you're doing this great, or this you could work on. Um, you get used to it. And as an actor, very rarely do you actually get feedback on why you didn't book the part. Or, um, you know, if it's a no, you really often don't know why that is. And it can really suck. It can just really suck. And so I think, having lived that, I delight in being able to pick people and choose them for things that really brings me joy so um, and I experienced that when I was able to like you know I kickstarted this budget so I'm writing you this check for coming out to be a PA I'm writing you this check for acting I'm writing you this check for uh, the lights for this and that and so that's something that I want to be able to do in the future is to be able to be in an independent position of being able to Um, create work that I really love for myself, that I'm excited about, but also to um, give opportunities to friends and people that I really know are talented and for whatever reason, the limelight just hasn't come their way yet and say, no, you are amazing and I'm paying you for your work because it's valuable to me. So um, that's a long-term goal that I have, but it's something that I, I hope I get to start doing again here pretty soon.
0: Being too good looking is uh, a problem that I can be. Uh, I'm intimately <laughs> familiar with that. That's, uh, oh, that's my yes. biggest barrier to to Oh <laughs> yes. <from>. The, uh, <laughs> I, I feel that of the the no feedback being frustrating. Of uh, yeah, you, mm-hmm. you put all this time out and you prepare for this audition and you you learn karate so that you can be more prepared for this part and then uh, sure that you just hear back a no, it's just a no. The the, yeah. the studio didn't like you, and they won't say why. Uh, yeah. in the role that you're in now, you're, you're uh, sort of growing into still in the early stages of being able to to pick people and recruiting them from LA,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, being able to be on the other side of that table, do you, do you tell people, like, it, it sounds like right now, it's very positive of you, you pick people that you like and, uh, and say, okay, you know, you specifically, I'm calling you out. Uh, it's not like you're a casting director seeing thousands of people. Right. Um, yeah. But in the process of doing that, you know, you're, you're picking one friend, you're not picking the other. Uh, you're, mm-hmm. I imagine you're not reaching out to all the friends who you didn't pick for creative projects and saying, you know, you were, you were a little too good looking for this role, Christian. <laughs> Maybe next time. Uh, I'll
1: write a less good looking role for you. <laughs> yes. Uh,
0: the, uh, how how do you think about that now from the other side of the table? Is, is there a system level improvement that you think would make more sense of? Uh, if, if a casting director had, you know, anonymous feedback for every person who went to the audition and could be very candid of like, this is the reason that I didn't cast you. Uh, you know, you, you need some cosmetic surgery or uh, <laughs> to, to make Your yourself more ugly. Long. Or no one would no one would ever want to put you in a movie. Uh, <laughs> just making the director I, feel too self-critical about
1: how, Right, how right. Yeah. I think I understand it because it takes a lot of time. To give to to take the time to tell someone specifically. I I notice this for when I'm doing script coverage on a script. I take a lot of time. If someone asks me to give them coverage, I'm like, all right, are you prepared for you know, if you just want me to answer a couple questions, did it make sense? Did this, blah, 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 I'm happy to do that. But if you want Lydia version coverage, I will be telling you this line, this line is too expository. It feels cheesy ish, movie ish. What if you change it to this? Or this, you have a typo here, you have blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's very, very detailed. Um, And that's the kind of feedback that makes scripts actually um, elevate from being okay or pretty good to moving up towards spectacular. Um, So, but that takes me a lot of time to do. And if you look at that same concept from a casting director, if every single person who comes into their office, they they had to give feedback. I mean, even just if it took them an extra five minutes a day, that's an insane amount of time when they're seeing 60 people in a day that mm. they don't have. And especially with television, I mean, it's just so fast, the turnaround between when the roles come out and when the roles are shot. This is, of course, pre-COVID and When things are really booking um so while i want more feedback as an actor and i really appreciate the times when i have gotten more feedback from different casting directors directors and such i also do understand from an economic standpoint why we don't get it because it's it would only be out of the goodness of someone's heart that they would do it Mm. when they have a lot of other work that they need to do in order to be um a good steward of their job and their responsibilities they can't offer that it's not because because they don't like actors or because they don't want people to feel good about themselves or actually get better it's that they don't have time so i think it's important to to know that you can have two things be true at the same time i wish i got more feedback i want more feedback please give me more feedback and also yeah i kind of get it that you can't so i'm not sure if there's a um I'm curious, maybe there's a software that needs to be developed by somebody to, uh, to, uh, <laughs> provide a means for which a casting director could give feedback if they wanted to. And, you know, we used to have something kind of like that in the casting director workshops that were pretty big there for a while, but then they were kind of a pay to play situation. And so it's like, but it was also kind of cool because you could get feedback from a casting director and actually have a conversation with them, but you also just paid a hundred dollars for it. So it's really, you know, it's, a it's a hard balance i'm not sure what the solution is apart from being in an acting class with a teacher that you respect where you're at least getting feedback on the work that you're doing there um and and then being open to constructive criticism when someone is giving it you know being going out and searching for feedback saying Hey, will you watch my reel? Or what do you think of my headshots? Or hey, Lydia, will you take a look at my script? Do you have a chance? Do you have time to do that? And being pursuing your own feedback, I think is kind of what the actor has to do right now. And that's okay. It's your business. You're the entrepreneur, so you're in, nobody's going to care about it as much as you.
0: Lydia, don't tempt me. That's that's, that's something I would do. Uh, oh, do it, do it complicated. Uh, from from a time perspective, especially that makes sense of if you're a casting director seeing 1000s of people that it, it would be too much to ask, it would be too much of an energy investment to give uh, in elegant feedback, let alone feedback that's that's right. constructive in the same way that you're uh, doing coverage for scripts. what and- what, what is coverage?
1: Uh, so coverage is essentially when someone gives you, says, Hey, will you read my script and tell me what you think of it? That's Mm. basically what it is. Um, and coverage is typically, um, you're answering specific questions, you know, are the characters well-developed structurally, you know, some sort of symbol at point questions. Um, and then it's also up to each individual person's preference as to the, the detail that they do after that following, you know, how they would suggest the script could be improved or sharpened. Um, so, the, yeah, that's something that I have done for years, um, and often for mostly just for free because I love doing it and I'm very passionate. Something I am very passionate about is sharpening and polishing things. I think it's some. As, I think it's something I see well as being able to look at someone else's work and not turn it into my work, mm-hmm. but say, "Hey, I see what you're trying to do here," or at least I think I do. But it's not working what if you tried this or hey what about this or oh this line yeah you change it if you want to don't change it if you don't want to but i think that's not it's not quite right or it's not coming across the way that you think it's coming across um so i really enjoy that and that's something i'm um, i'm working on turning into my own my own little business as well Um, because i really do think that good projects start with good scripts it's really hard. You know, you can have all the money in the world, but if you have a bad script, it just doesn't doesn't land. Um,
0: Aquaman. I was just oh. thinking
1: that, but I wasn't going to say it. I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> but, <yeah>. Oh, oh. <laughs> but um, I did want to yeah. add one other thing. Um, as far as feedback is concerned, um, I just wanted to say, it's this is not because casting directors don't love actors or don't want to give feedback. I've known many great casting directors who are, you know, we'll we'll do a workshop or they'll do a panel at a film festival or something, you know, they're they're good people. They're working hard. Um, it's just sometimes you just can't do everything you want to do.
0: Makes sense. Lydia, thank you so much. I have greatly enjoyed this conversation. Uh, my I've pleasure. Two things from me. I'm going to I'm going to blatantly steal that term of coverage, because that's a that's a thing that. Oh, yeah. No, that's, like a, that's, me, a, that's a real thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah you, like that. You can go, just, go, you don't I'll even have to steal it. You can
1: just use it. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> okay.
1: You can just I'll, have uh, it. I'll
0: do that instead. Uh, for listeners who are interested in contacting you, maybe they would like some coverage on their script uh maybe a little baby president scholar currently at smu who is looking at your career yeah. thinking oh my gosh that's that's a thing i want to do i want to be able to act and have my own creative projects but also be succeeding in the, the bigger industry uh what, what's the best way to get in touch with you how how can people see uh future creative works like defying government
1: yeah <laughs> well probably one of the best ways right now is just you can follow me on instagram i am at tall cap that's t-a-l-l-k-a-p-p um and uh uh, send me a a message there you can see a lot of the work that i'm doing i am currently working on um, a new website project and my own podcast and blog and a couple of other cool things to come so um if you check out my instagram and follow me there then uh, not only can i get in touch with you or you get in touch with me directly but also you can stay tuned for all of the exciting things to come
0: love it i will be subscribed and i will post a link In the description with the correct number of P's. Uh, (laughs) Yes. Cool. Thank you again. Thank you so
1: much, Christian. P.S. love. Yeah, P.S. love to you too.